everybody. Welcome back to Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians. We talk life, we talk practice, we talk about ourselves, and we have a really fun time doing it. I hope to bring you some encouragement, inspiration, some motivation, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. Today is episode number 42, and I am talking with Dr. Lisa Hebert. She is a fellow female physician and a life coach, and she gets into talking about how she is helping female leaders find their voice. I think this conversation is going to be one that you will truly enjoy. And I just want you to know, thank you so much for being part of my community of true speakers, lifesavers, and fierce females who lift each other up. So here we go into our conversation and stick around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. Here we go. We have been talking and I had to get the recording going because otherwise we're missing too much good stuff. Yeah. Dr. Lisa, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So hi, everyone. Dr. Lisa Herbert. I am uh, a board certified family physician and I um, practiced for 25 years. I started out in um, New Jersey about 27 years ago and I had a practice there for 25 years. Um, I'm married. I have two children. And I recently, about three or four years ago, just had a life transition, career transition, where I decided I did not want to practice clinical medicine anymore, but I wanted to share, you know, my story and share my gifts with um, other women physicians who were sort of struggling with some of the things that I felt I was struggling with in my practice. And that was like balancing work and family, finding my voice, you know, finally finding out what it is that I wanted to do with my life you know, at this point in time, and I decided to um, become a coach, you know, for women physicians, and uh, my audience pretty much are women physician leaders, but certainly, when I use the term leader loosely, because we're all leaders, you know, and I think in our own rights, and my message really is just to try to get women physicians to, you know, find their voice, so so that's, I think, what, what we'll talk about today, but Um, That's really my message to be able to get women physicians to find their voice, to finally just step up and decide for themselves how they want to live their best life. I love it. My little coaching heart just flip flops all around (laughs) in its chest when you're saying that. Because I'll be perfectly honest, I don't, I follow you on social media. So I knew a little bit about you, but I always love it coming on here and just hearing your words and, and hearing that passion in your voice, um, because it's just so wonderful to hear about other women who, who care about us, care about yeah. other female physician, uh, female physicians out there. So just a question, just looping back. So 25 years of family medicine practice, yeah. I made it three. <laughs> <laughs> so 25, I'm just like, wow, yeah. in your opinion, yeah. When you first started and got out to when mm-hmm. you transitioned away, what what changes? Because I guess to me, what I'm thinking as a young doc, I'm like, wow, 25 years. That's, I know. That is quite the career. It is. Yeah. Yeah. What was it at the beginning like? I'm just so curious to hear about what, what medicine was when you first started practicing. Yeah. So, you know, when I first 
started practicing, that's really when the whole uh, EMR system, I guess, started to kind of come out and surface. Um, so I was, I was in that generation of physicians that was sort of transitioning from, you know, paper charts to the EMR, transferring to learning the whole, you know, new world of HMOs and, you know, all of those types of, you know, now organized medicine that we see today. Um, and, you know, back in those days, I think we were able to, as I guess newer physicians will attest to, we were able to spend a lot of time with our patients, you know, so in the exam room, you weren't really bombarded with a lot of things such as, you know, administrative type of roles, you didn't really have a lot of, you know, documentation in the, the electronic medical chart. So you were really able to spend a lot of time with patients, really getting to know them, getting to know their families really get into the heart of, you know, what they were coming in to see you for at that time. So I would say it probably was a little easier maybe to practice medicine back then than it is now. Um, but it was also a period of time where because my generation, we, we were familiar with how to use the computer, you know, we were computer literate, we, we knew, you know, you know, how to, you know, develop different spreadsheets and, you know, look at things on the computer. So the transition wasn't hard, like some of my older colleagues, you know, had some difficulties. The transition really wasn't hard to transfer to an electronic medical record, but the transfer was hard in terms of transferring to now we have less time to see patients. Now we have to do things a different way. Um, so over the years, you know, as those things started to change and develop, I think it became a lot harder um, for me to be able to keep up with the pace. And uh, a lot of demands were being put on us in terms of time, in terms of coming home, you know, after hours, as you know, documenting in the <laughs> medical record, you know, all of those things started to really take effect. And at some point, you know, in my career, and I would probably say I probably waited longer <laughs> to transition maybe than I should have. But at some point in my career, it started to affect the way I was interacting with my family. Mm -hmm. And my daughter at the time, you know, who was a teenager, finally said to me, you know, mom, it just looks like you are so stressed all the time. I'm not really sure why what's going on. You don't really seem as present as you were before. And that for me just set off a light bulb in my head, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's time for me to really think about how I want the rest of my life to look like. Do I want it to, do I want to stay in this position and continue to work at this pace? Or are there other things that maybe I can even explore at this point in my career? So I decided to take a look at that. You know, I worked with a coach myself at that time. A good friend of mine had, you know, suggested that I do so. And it was the best decision that I ever made because it brought me into this place of self-awareness that I really had been just neglecting, you know, for years. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I love to hear how it used to be because that gives me inspiration that maybe we can move, you know, back into that, yeah. that space of um, the doctor-patient relationship. And then I'd love to hear that you got mm -hmm. coached too. I... I am such an advocate for coaching. I mean, even if people don't want yes. to come to me or come to you, I just push them. I'm like, you got to find a coach. It makes such a huge difference. You know, everybody talks about, oh, you need a therapist, you need a therapist. I really think that it's so powerful because coaching really focuses on the now 
in the future rather exactly. than muddling around in your past. And I think it's even more powerful when it comes from a colleague who I'm like, I got you. I know what the office was like. I right. know what residency was like. Exactly. You know what I mean? Versus some of the coaches who are not not physicians or not trained right, right. medically yeah. that it makes. So I'm so glad to hear that because do you still get coaching now? Like you still have a I do. Yes, I do. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, I, it was really um, very focused, you know, because I had that desire to really just, you know, figure out what I wanted to do with my life at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was really focused for about a good six months, I would say that I, you know, I had a, a coaching relationship with someone at that time. And um, yeah, it, it was just great. I mean, I had no idea at the time what a coach was and what they did. Um, so for me, it was this, you know, whole exploration of, um, and being vulnerable, I think, you know, to really just discuss those types of things with someone who I really didn't know, but certainly was going to help me, I thought, down the line. Yeah, it's big. I always yeah. tell everybody, all the stuff you learn in coaching is all the shit we should have learned in medical school. All right? the... <laughs> All the like learning what it is to feel X emotion rather than swallowing it down or exactly. learning to exactly. identify like when you need something or how to ask for it or give yourself permission yeah. to ask for it. All yeah. of that stuff is so good. Yeah. Well, I am so glad now to have a fellow coach colleague with me. Yes. And you already mentioned your word. It's finding your voice. Tell yes. me more about that and why you picked it. Yeah, so I picked it because, you know, I think at the root of what was going on with myself was the fact that I didn't have a voice, you know, I didn't have the words to really say what it was, what I felt. I didn't really have the words to say what I wanted and what I needed. And I didn't really know how to say it. You know, there was a lot of things coming up for me in terms of, you know, the guilt of, you know, leaving practice after 25 years, you know, the guilt of having to tell family and friends that, you know what, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. Um, you know, asking for help. So all of that really stemmed from just not really being able to find my voice, to find that true authentic thing in me that I really, you know, wanted to share with other people and to really find my, basically to find my way. So, and I find that when I'm coaching my clients as well, that's one of the things that we really concentrate on is really like finding your voice. You know, what it is, what is it that you want and that, what is it that you need? You know, how can we help you to develop that, to say it, you know, to communicate it? And then how can you use that then to better yourself personally, but also in your career as well? You know, we have to really sometimes step up, you know, and stand out in our positions, you know, if we're, whether we're practicing clinical medicine or an administrative role or, you know, as a coach, we really have to be able to step up and stand out and talk about what it is that, um, that we want and that, you know, what we need. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you have to stand up and kind of look like you're a disruptor. But, yes. then, but then when you're able to communicate it to people, then they're like, oh, light bulb, you know, yes, then it clicks on like, oh, maybe there is something to this. Yeah. And I think it's important, too, for women physicians who are in leadership positions. And like I said, the word leader can be used a little loosely because I think we're all leaders. But, you know, because we represent such a small 
portion of the leadership pool, when we are in those positions, we really need to be able to step up and speak out for our colleagues, you know, for what's happening to us, you know, recognizing the signs of burnout, getting our organizations to take a stance, you know, in terms of helping to prevent burnout or to help those physicians who are actually going through it at the time, you know, and speaking up from a physician perspective to say, you know, maybe this way is not the right way, you know? Um, so again, it's just really just finding that voice and being able to, to show up and, and talk about the, the topic and the, you know, the discussions that we need to have. Yeah. Because I mean, the studies are showing as women, you know, as you move up the ladder, we start falling off rather quickly. Rather quickly. And then, you know, the studies are also show- showing that a more diverse leadership team actually leads to so much better outcomes, both patient sides, but financially. I think that is such exciting research as Absolutely. I've been reviewing it over the couple, last couple of months. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way when you have people who come from different backgrounds and they speak up about it, you do find better solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your leadership pool basically has to represent the communities in which you serve, right? So, I mean, if you're lacking diversity in the people who are making the decisions, how are you going to be effective? Or, you know, how are you going to be effective in those communities? So, absolutely. It's really important, I think, for us to be able to step up, to speak out, and then for us to be able to bring other women up behind us too, as well. Mm-hmm. And how we do that is we, you know, speak up about the issues that may be that may be preventing us from taking on those roles, or the issues that may be causing us to fall off. You know, which is you know a work-life balance culture. I mean, come on. I mean, we really need to, you know, start addressing those things and facing those issues because it's important to be able to retain women in the workforce. And I think you know, it's important too. Culture. Yeah. That we start changing the culture that it's okay to work part time. Yeah. But a happy doctor is a more productive doctor. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter how many hours you're churning and burning. I can personally attest from my own research, I was so much more productive as a 0.7 FTE than I was at mm-hmm. a full FTE. And right. I think that is important as we move forward and we keep stepping up and saying, hey, when mommy comes to work, she works her ass off. But you know right. what? She's not going to be here all the time. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, it's the flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. It's really the flexibility to be able to say, you know, um, we, we can work with you on this work schedule. And if you get your work done, you get your work done. You know, what does it matter if you're doing it in this capacity versus another? Um, so yeah, we definitely have to have the flexibility within the work environments to allow women to do, do their jobs. I bet you work with your, your clients too. Like I do about asking for what you need at work because that is so important because it's amazing that, um, once you know what you need and how to properly communicate it, those gears do tend to change in most work situations. Now there's the occasional where they're stuck in their ways and they're not going to change the model, but I really have found working with my coaching clients. If we can get them to identify what exactly they need, how to communicate it well and how they've already problem solved to help their decision maker or administrator make those changes. It's usually a pretty good transition. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I have a client I'm working with right now, actually. And the same, it's the same scenario. You know, she needed to kind of, you know, have a more flexible work schedule and didn't really know how to approach the employer about that. 
And again, it was just finding your voice. First, what is it that you what is it that you want and what is it that you need that's going to make you a happy, you know, clinician? Mm-hmm. Um, and then strategizing how do you bring that information to your employer such that it's a win-win for both, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, so it's so important, absolutely, because if we keep holding on to what is or what could have been, I mean, that's when the stress starts to set in and we start to burn out because we're carrying this load that we really need to, you know, face up to. I really talk to my people too. Like when we are having those conversations in our head, I'm like, are you talking to yourself right now? Or is this a conversation that you had with somebody and you're processing it? Because right. believe you me, a majority of conversations we have in our head are with ourselves. Right. right. A lot of times you got to cut those off. Because it's not based in reality. It's just you making assumptions and situations and circumstances. Like I hear all the time, oh, they'd never let me do that. And I'm like, have you talked to them? Right. Have you asked? Right. And until you have, you can't answer that. You can't can't answer that. Right. So um, a really cool example for me recently, I was speaking with a physician that was in fellowship and is totally being abused as a fellow. And is looking for other things. And so I threw the question back, like, as they're looking for other jobs, like, well, have you asked them if you can only do that procedure? It's a, it's a surgical specialty. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, go do it. because You have the power. You are young. You are trained. People want you. I mean, they're going to pay big bucks for you. Why would they not want you to be totally in the middle of your vibe and do a procedure which lights up your life? Because then when you are working in your best mode, you are going to be caring for patients in a the best mode and you're going to have right. great outcomes. Have great outcomes. Exactly. It, exactly. It's because when we get outside of that, that's when the grumbling starts happening and the friction you start feeling. And, and so I think it is, you're doing great work tuning people into like, what is your voice? What is your vibe? Where yeah. is that? And let's get you to the middle of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's true for not only at work, but that's true at home as well. You know, how are you speaking up in your, you know, a home environment in terms of, you know, what it is that you need and you want as well? Because people can't read your mind. <laughs> no, nope. you know, your spouse can't read your mind. You know, your children can't read your mind. You, you really need to have those sometimes tough conversations about, you know, what it is that you that you need. Yeah, I just had a two by four moment the other day, which is, you know, you get slapped in the head by a two by four. I went to just a little uh, seminar gathering that I was actually presenting at and I mm-hmm. stayed for another speakers and it was all about listening as a form of leadership and I was like oh <laughs> speaking to my soul right now because as part of the talk it was like who do you need to who in your life do you need to actively listen to as a form mm-hmm. of leadership mm-hmm. and you know my husband and I are celebrating 10 years of marital bliss I have not been a good listener lately yeah and it just kind of brought back to me, I could talk all day long, but I'm not really hearing his voice. I'm right. not really hearing what he was needing in the situation as we've been going through some transitions and our kids are starting to get a little bit older. And, mm-hmm. and so absolutely. I think that is so important to bring these yeah. lessons home because, you know, home really can be our foundation. And when absolutely. that gets rocky, ooh, it shakes yes. everything up. It does change everything. Yeah. And, you know, we go through 
as women, as families, several transitions, you know, there's, you know, if you're married, you have kids, it's, it's that young stage when the kids are young, and then it's the middle stage when they become a little bit older, and how do you have to shift and move, you know, in that particular situation, and then now for me, I'm going through, you know, the empty nest syndrome, so it's like, so how do you shift and move in, in that situation, you know, where the kids are gone, and you know, it's just you and your spouse and, um, you know, demands and needs are different. So it's really just learning how to move and navigate through the different stages of your life. And like you said, actively listening, but it's really like more of just being present, you know, how do you be present in those situations when you're with your family, you know? I was recently having a conversation. We have some neighbors down the road that we occasionally stop in and check on. They're they're in their late seventies, early eighties. So we try to keep a watch on them along with their family. Mm-hmm. We were sitting down talking to them, and I said, "How long have you guys been married?" And I I think they said sixty two years. And Ooh. yeah, they got married early and they have <laughs> stuck it out. Well. And my husband asked, he said, "What what what was the hardest point in your marriage?" And they said, "Probably our sixty year anniversary." And we looked wow. at each other like, what? We only made it 10. <laughs> You're saying 60 was hard? How do we get over this? But the point that they said was that it's always changing and you're always, always adapting changing. to that new. Mm-hmm. And they had brought up that, you know, now it's more not so much of the, the uh, like love relationship and they're not grazing children anymore and there's not those kind of distractions. But right. now it's more figuring out that friendship and that balance. Mm-hmm. And then she's kind of the caregiver to him and, and figuring out those roles. Right. But it was just so inspirational to, to remind me, it really is a journey and there's it hills. Mm-hmm. You're up and down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been married 25 years. So yeah, <laughs> there are definitely ups and downs, you know, um, just different things that you go through, but it really, it is, it's a journey. And, you know, being self-aware is as important as it is in your career. It's, it's important in your relationships as well. So what would you say to our audience right now of female physicians, if there's any mentoring words that you could put out there to them? Hmm. So one thing I definitely would tell them is that you definitely have a voice number one. Um, There's a power within you that you need to really find and utilize so that you can just be the best version of yourself. And I would also counsel um, or or say to women physicians that really take the time to get to know who you are um, in terms of what it is that you like, you know, what is it that you don't like, you know, what is it, what is it that you need in your life to make you joyous and happy and then take the time to really fulfill those things you know don't feel like you have to give up um, making yourself happy or bringing joy into your life because you have chosen this career Um, you know just always remember that there's there's time and you should make time to make yourself happy yeah to find that joy beautiful Mm -hmm. well if people want to find out more about you where can they find you or hang out with you Yeah, so they can find me on social media. So um, they can go to my website, which is justtherightbalance.com. They can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Lisa Herbert. And um, they can also find me on Twitter at Lisa Herbert MD. 
And uh, if anyone is interested in joining me on this journey of finding your voice, I do have a, a masterclass that's starting January 28th. And they can go to justtherightbalance.com forward slash finding your voice. And they can sign up there <clears throat> as well. And, and any information will be there. Beautiful. I will put all of that in the show notes for everyone so that you can just click on there and um, hang out with Dr. Lisa here because she is the bomb, guys. She's amazing. (laughs) And if you don't have a coach, you need to check her out because I just get good vibes all day with her. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Erin. And, um, you know, I love you as well. Follow you on social media. I think you're doing an absolutely fabulous job. And, um, you know, looking forward to maybe hopefully meeting you one day. We do. We need to get all this in person. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll have a uh, uh, female doctors unite conference or something. Yeah. Something good like that. We can all get all this sass in one room because who yeah. I don't know who could handle it. I don't know who could handle it either. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's so important to find our voice. But it's also so important to find the direction when we feel lost. So I was talking to a client recently and her first words to me were, I just am so lost. I don't know where to go or even start. She explained her situation to me, which is unfortunately so very typical as I'm meeting more and more physicians in my coaching practice. She's been practicing a few years. She tells me about her kids, her attempts on self-care, different things that she has tried to manage, life events that have just out and out sucked, and she doesn't know what to do next. I let her get it all out, and then my question is, what must be done right now? She sits and thinks, and I can subconsciously feel her wheels turning and grinding. She then says to me, good question. I don't know. You want to know my response? Basic needs, girlfriend. Food, water, shelter, clothing. Because honestly, the only things that you must do right now is breathe, feed your kids and your pets, shower, and brush your teeth occasionally. There are literally only a few things that we must absolutely do in a day. Going to work, it's optional. Putting up with toxic relationships, totally optional. Being involved in every meeting, opportunity, PTO, church, not necessary to our life existence. So let me ask you, what must be done right now in your life? Next question for when you're lost and you don't know where to start is to complete this sentence. I would be absolutely devastated if blank was taken from my life. At first, clients will tell me the worst thing that could happen is that they lose their job or license or position. Then I ask them, would that really be the worst thing? After a good laugh, you know, we come to the conclusion, no, actually that would be wonderful. But what would be so devastating if you truly did lose it? This helps you focus on what is essential to keep in your life, what you need to keep in touch with, and what you need to keep around you. So the last thing I want you to do, if you're feeling lost and you don't know where to start, is do an internal assessment. Write down your answers to these statements, and I'll make sure to put them in the show notes so that you can just listen for now and go back and get them later. But here they are. I have control of, I absolutely need, I want, I don't want, 
my perfect position or practice is, the options I have right now are, I need to gather more information about, the best ways I can take care of myself are, and I am more than what I do on a daily basis. I am. So fill in those statements and see what comes from you when you're doing that. By doing all of these three steps, by asking what must be done right now, by clarifying what would be absolutely devastating if taken from your life, and doing an internal assessment, this is going to help you get some clarity into yourself and your situation. It's going to help you gain confidence that you're really not lost and empower you to have the courage to take one small step forward in the next direction. So. I hope this has been a helpful kick of encouragement. I love hearing from you all. I would love if you would consider dropping me a note either on Instagram or emailing me to let me know how you think these episodes are going because I'm getting to a point that they're so fun, but I don't know if I should pivot or not. So help give me some insight into that. And as always, friends, please remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.